Well, the opening illustration this week isn't that bad. Um, I don't think I'm going to be injured, but this is me, so you never know. This is the all skate. This is a participation thing, so I need everybody to do this with me. Um, If you catch somebody not doing this, you can tell them they're going to hell, and, um, and maybe they'll participate. So, so take your hand, take your hand, and, and just kind of, like if you're sitting, I'll, I'll do it this way, this service, I'll do it the other way. I'm just put it on your lap, like this, flat, okay? Just, I'm right-handed, but you can do it with your left hand. And then take your middle finger, which we could, we could probably just talk about the sin that the middle finger has been committing this week, um, even in the parking lot when you leave. Um, so take your middle finger, and bend it, not to this knuckle, but to that knuckle. So, so your hand is like this. If you, if, I'll do it on the table because you can see it better. So your hand's like that. Everybody got it? Everybody participating? Somebody said no. Okay, fine, be that way. Be that way, miss your blessing, miss your blessing. All right, so, so you got your hand like this. Take your pointer finger, the finger that you point with, and just lift it up. Just lift it up like that. Move it all around. Everybody got it? That's good. All right, take your thumb. Take your thumb and lift it up. Move it all around. Got it, got it. Now take your pinky, your pinky finger. Move it all around. All right, good, good. Now lift up your ring finger. Some of y'all can't because your boy put a rock on that finger, and that thing's weighed down, but... Somebody might be sitting next to a guy going, I wish you'd put a rock on my finger, but you can't. Now, now somebody's in here going, I can, but you're, you're a cheater. You're a cheater. You got your finger like that and you got, you, you can do. But if you keep this knuckle flat, you, I mean, it's, you could do that, but it just, it, you can't raise up that finger. And there have been hours and hours and hours of research put into how, is it possible to, to get, because can, whether you're a Christian or not, we can all admit this. I don't have full use or control of my hand in this situation, right? So how do you, how do you fix this? I mean, because this is, this is a little messed up. How do you fix this? Well, it's real simple. You just open up your hand and pick up your water. You open up your hand because, because if you open up your hand, you, you've got full, full range of motion. But if, if, if your hand is like this, then you're limited. Am I correct? Now, some of you are like, I didn't really show up to get a biology lesson, which is great because I failed biology. But what I'm trying to point out is this is what worry will do to us. Worry will limit us. Worry will limit us emotionally because we can't think straight when we're stressed out. Worry will limit us physically. There are people that have heart conditions. You have stress. Stress is affecting your body and your brain and your mood. Worry will affect us spiritually. And and this is what worry looks like. But what happens when we can change from a posture of worry to a posture of worship? When we're worried, we're limited. But when we worship, it's not that we're unlimited, it's we understand that we're following an unlimited God. And so, I wanna teach you a principle today, and if you're anything like me, which I'm a little bit skeptical, you might be tempted to push back at first, but give me just a second to explain this, because this is a spiritual principle 
that I believe 100% is true and it's true for every single person in this room and for all of our friends watching online. By the way, can we pause real quick and say hello to our friends in Columbia right now that are watching online? They, they, y'all, let me tell you, let me tell you about something about our Columbia people. They, they meet in a house. Now they have an upstairs campus and a downstairs campus. And I was told last week, y'all got a front yard campus now, I think, which I guess it's getting warm outside. Um, anyway, the true story. Here's the spiritual principle that I wanna teach today. Here we go, get ready to write this down. It is a spiritual impossibility to worry when I worship. Now that's true. Once again, if you're anything like me, you're gonna push back on this and you're gonna say, well, I don't know because I've been at church before and I've been worried. Well, what that tells me is that you weren't worshiping. Because when we worship, let me define it. Worship is not singing a song. Worship is when we take all of our thoughts and all of our heart and we focus it on the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Because when we're focused on Jesus, it really is a Im spiritual impossibility to worship. That's why when we come in and go, I've had people say, well, I worried when we were singing that song and I'm like, well, it's because you were looking at your phone the whole time. You weren't worshiping. I, I can worry when I'm sitting in a service, but I'm not kind of locked in. I can worry when I go a, a few days without reading the Bible. For me, that I, it'll, it'll stress me out. But if we truly put our mind, our thoughts, and our heart on the person and work, once again, of Jesus Christ, it makes it impossible to worry. And why is that important? Like I said last week, because if worry goes undealt with, it leads to anxiety. If anxiety goes undealt with, it leads to depression. And if depression goes undealt with, it leads to despair. And I don't know about you, but I would rather be a person of worship than a person in despair. Amen? That's why we're doing this series, to figure out how to... So let me set this up. If you grew up in church, you've heard this story a half a dozen or a dozen times, but I guarantee you, you've never heard it from this perspective because I've taught this story before, but I've never taught it in regards to teaching on the subject of worship. In Daniel chapter three, there's a king who's psycho named Nebuchadnezzar, and he's insane. Next week, you're, I'm gonna show you how insane this guy really is. I mean, he's lost it. He is he can't even do a press conference. He... Mm. Okay, I'll just leave that there. I just, I'm just saying he's lost it. So, so he built a statue 90 feet tall and nine feet wide, solid gold. And the reason he built it so high is because in the ancient world, when they built their idols, when they built their statues, they were trying to build them high because they were worshiping them as gods. And there was this competition to build a statue of, quote, the most high God. That was the competition. And so Nebuchadnezzar is like, build a statue. And 90 feet's pretty tall. Let's admit that. 90 feet. So he's standing there looking at his statue going, I have built a statue to the most high God. And God is in heaven going, what is that thing? Oh, yeah, that's nice, Nebuchadnezzar. Let me show you Jupiter 
I mean, I think I, I think I got your statue. But anyway, there's this competition. He builds this really high statue and he throws a, he throws a big party, invites everybody in and everybody is having a great time. And hey, why are we here? I don't know, we're celebrating this statue. And then, and then Nebuchadnezzar lets everybody know while they're there. Watch this, this is great. Um, then a herald shouted out, people of all races and nations and language, Listen to the king's command. So everybody stops talking, you know, put the drink down, kind of lean in, listening to the king's command because you listen, had to listen. When you hear the sound, here we go, of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and other musical instruments bow to the ground to worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. Now, if, if I'm the crowd, my first thought would probably be like, I'm not gonna bow, stupid bowing to a statue. Can you imagine being in this crowd? And by the way, this is a political agenda. The king wanted you to bow to his God because it meant you were sold out to him spiritually and politically. So I, I know this is gonna be hard to believe, but once upon a time, there was a government that demanded that you bow to their particular political agenda. I say it all the time, aren't you glad we've made so much progress in the past 3,000 years? And so, so that's the thing. King Nebuchadnezzar's like, I want you to bow and worship this 90 foot tall, nine feet wide golden idol. And everybody's like, I don't know. And some people are like, yeah, I'm in. Cause they've had like seven glasses of wine. So they're like, woohoo. And some people are like, I don't know. And maybe. And, and if you're on the fence, like, I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm, I don't, I'm not really into the whole bowing thing, you know? I mean, if you ask us to like, like this bow, but like bow, my, I'm not into that. Nebuchadnezzar had that figured out. So watch this. Um, anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Well, you know what? I think I'm, in, I'm a bowing person now. I think I'm going to bow. I, this is, this is. This is cancel culture in its original form. Can we agree? This is, so let's walk through this. There's a political agenda, and if you don't bow to it, you get canceled. Y'all see it? Some people go, you try to make it too political, Pastor Pete. No, it's always been this way. That King Nebuchadnezzar said, if you don't bow to me, and my agenda, you're going to be, this is the ultimate cancellation. This is, this is not having your account shut down. This is you are going to die. This is how they did it old school, okay? You're, I'm going to throw you into a blazing furnace. Now, I know nobody woke up this morning and said, you know what? I think my goal in life is to get thrown into a blazing furnace. I think that would be amazing. I think I would love that. Like nobody sets out, nobody wants that to happen. So that's where <laughs> we, we pick it back up. Verse seven, here we go. So at the sound of the musical instruments, all the people, whatever their race or nation or language, bowed to the ground and worshiped the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Problem over, right? Except, except, but, some of the astrologers went to the king and informed on the Jews. Huh. 
aren't you glad that people don't mess with the Jewish people anymore? They just kind of, isn't, isn't it crazy how th some things never change? Huh, let's just keep reading. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, long live the king, which they didn't mean that, but you just kind of said that so he wouldn't chop off your head. Um, that's the kind of the way they rolled. You issued a decree requiring all the people to bow down and worship the gold statue when they hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, parps, all the, all the other musical. They had to like repeat it back to him so he understood what they were saying. Um, that decree also states that those who refuse to obey must be thrown into a blazing furnace. And Nebuchadnezzar's like, I know all of this. I decreed it. Hello, do you see who you're talking to? But then they get to the real reason why they're there. But there are some Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and a billy goat, I mean, Abednego, whom, I just see if y'all paying attention, whom you have put in charge of the province of Babylon. They pay no attention to you, your majesty. They refuse to serve your gods and do not worship the gold statue you have set up. Can you imagine how awkward this was? For everybody involved, the band's getting ready to play. Everybody's getting ready to buy. And, and can we admit that music affects our moods? Yes or no? Like, there are songs that just make you happy. There are songs, I, there are, there are songs that make you dance, right? Certain songs that make you dance. There are songs that make you cry. I've met women that say, you know what? I just put on that song and it makes me cry. I'm like, oh yeah, I don't understand that. I've never met a man that said that. And if you did, I will punch you in your face because that's what you, you know. Um, we, there's music that makes us like angry. And when I talk about angry, like my workout playlist, I've got angry music. I got music that kind of pushes me through that last set or that last mile of the run. And some of y'all like, what are some of those songs, Pastor P? I don't have time this week to deal with the emails I would get if I that lots of lots of angry music in my playlist, okay? Music affects us. And so they played all the music and everybody bowed except for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're just standing there like, this is gonna be a little weird. Because how do you explain that? They're not going along with they're not going along with the political agenda. Now, this is for the person, and I try my best to offend you every week. <laughs> no, I'm serious. This is for the person that says, well, you shouldn't bring religion into politics. Well, then you don't get Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. How do you separate them? Because the reason they didn't bow was because in the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, it's pretty clear you do not bow or worship any other God except the one true living God. So they brought their religion into their politics because at the end of the day, Jesus did not come to save a part of our lives. He came to save our whole lives. And maybe if, you, if we stop trying to compartmentalize Jesus, well, then we could see some good done in this country. I'm just, y'all, <laughs> I'll say it a little bit more clear so everybody can understand. 
if Donald Trump or Joe Biden or Nikki Haley is your savior, you are going to be so disappointed because a politician cannot follow through on their promises because they don't have the power of the one true living God who is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Now, I'm not saying, listen, I'm not saying don't vote because I heard somebody say, well, I, this, I feel like I'm voting for the lesser of two evils. Unless Jesus is on the ticket, you're always voting for the lesser of two evils. More about that during voting season. All right, let's get back. Oh, yeah, statue. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego standing out like a sore thumb. Everybody else is bowed. What was it? What was it that gave them the strength to bow? Because I don't think it was because they were just being mean. You know, some people are just mean. Some people are just defiant. I think they were connected to God in such a way that they knew that, that this was just the wrong thing to do. They were so connected. I can't prove it from this text, but in the book of Daniel um, and from other documents from this time, we know that Jewish people typically prayed to God three times a day, three times a day. Daniel in Daniel chapter six when he got thrown to the lions, we're gonna talk about that in several weeks, he prayed three times a day. And so if, if, if we pray, if you talk to somebody for three times, a day, three times a day, you're pretty connected, correct? So the reason I bring this up is because when you get connected to somebody, you start spending time with them, that's how intimacy develops in a relationship. Am I correct so far? So, so this is the point I wanna make. There is no intimacy without intentionality. In other words, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were intentional in connecting with God on a daily basis, and because of their intentionality, they became intimately connected. And because they were intimately connected with God, they were empowered by God to take a stand when everyone else was bowing. Does that make sense? So, like, if, if you're here and you're married, you didn't just run into each other at Target and decide to get married. You met somewhere. How many were set up on a blind date? You set up on a blind date? Anybody set up on a blind date? Okay, a few back here, a few back here. How many people, how many people met each other um, in high school? Met each other in high school? How many met in the college? How many met in the club? Be honest, how many met in the club? I want to make love in this club. Okay, sorry. I don't, oh my God, where did that come from? <laughs> A lot of y'all didn't raise your hands, but you laughed at that song, and I know where y'all met. <laughs> Heathens, all right. So, <laughs> I hadn't used heathen in a long time. That's old school. I brought that weight. Oh, yeah. If we want to get connected with God, it, it takes intentionality. This is why showing up at church every week, it, this is something we do intentionally. I don't know about you guys, but I need this once a week. I need to get in a group of people who are worshiping God. Because there are sometimes I walk in here and I've got no faith and I'm tired and I've got to borrow your faith and it, and it does. I've got to be intentional about getting in God's word on a daily basis. That's why we do the text devotional. We've got to be intentional about prayer. I don't know about you, but I got, there's just some days I got to get in my truck and shut my, like, all my notifications off on my phone and put on a worship song and blare it 
and drive down the road and sing it like I am the best singer in the world. And it gets a little embarrassing when you're at a red light and you are worshiping and crying and you're looking at the person next to you and they are looking at you like you're weird and you're like, I love Jesus. And I, you've done it, right? But something in that, hey, in those moments, you're not worried, are you? You're not worried. You're not even worried about the person next to you in the car. You are just, you are going for it. And that's, that's what happens when we get connected with Jesus. We can't worry when we're focused on him. But the thing about the enemy is he will always give us a chance to compromise. Always. Watch what he does. And I'm going to tell you how this works practically. Watch this. Um, then Nebuchadnezzar flew, <laughs> flew into a rage. Pause. How many of you know a bad decision is about to follow? Because I've never met a person that said, I made the best decision right after I lost my temper. Flew into a rage. By the way, when we fly, when, I'm just saying this to people that fly into rages often. Why don't you listen to me? That's a problem. That's how my dad was. Well, your, your dad was a jerk, okay? It, it's a problem to fly into a rage. Because when we fly into a rage and we say stuff, are we flying into a rage and we send that text? Are we flying into a rage and we put our hand through a wall? That's... Now, I've had some people say, yeah, being angry is a sin. No, 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 no. Being angry is not a sin. The Bible actually says be angry, but do not sin. There are things that we should be angry about, but not sin. Where's that line? I don't know. Jesus made a whip and beat up a bunch of people one time, but he never sinned. That's my justification for getting in a tussle every once in a while. It's just, anyway, that's a, that's a different message, different time. So they got brought, he flew into a rage and said, get them in here. So they came in. Nebuchadnezzar said to them, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods? Or worship, I mean, gods. Surely, surely that is not true. And they said, it is true, and don't call us Shirley. If you know, you know. If you don't know, you don't know, all right? I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue. I'll give, I'll give you one more chance. That's what the enemy does. Listen, I'll give you a chance to compromise. You broke off the relationship because you knew they weren't good for you. But Friday night when you're by yourself, the phone's going to ring and it's going to be their number because the enemy's... Uh-huh. You threw all the alcohol out of your house, but you left that one bottle in that one place that nobody knows about. Oh, look, I know. I mean, who, who, like, I know how that works. The enemy will always offer us an opportunity to compromise our faith. He's like, I'm not going to throw you in the furnace yet. You probably just didn't hear the command. You probably just don't understand the time. You need to get on board, guys. So here's what we're going to do. He said, um, 
And I'll give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I have made. When you hear the sound of the musical instruments, thank you, King Nebuchadnezzar, for not listing all those things out again, right? But if you refuse, you will be, not might be, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And then, what God will be able to rescue you from, from my power? Now, the reason I'm laughing is because I'm going to propose a hypothetical situation. I don't know this happened, but it could have. Maybe Jesus was in heaven and he was preparing a place for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because they're about to come into heaven. They're about to be thrown into the furnace, which means they're going to die. And so Jesus is telling his angels, listen, angels, um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are about to come in and uh, they're coming in hot, okay? They're coming in hot. <laughs> so uh, we need to get one of those uh, foam beds with the gel things in them so they'll have a place to lay down, going to cool down. Everything's going to be good. Make sure we got everything set up in the banquet. And then Nebuchadnezzar said, and then what God will be able to save you from my hand? And Jesus went, hold, hold on. What did that little man say? <laughs> Run that tape back. Oh, you want to play. Gabriel, hold my beer. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just... We all know it was a glass of wine. It wasn't beer, okay? I just, it just kind of fit the moment. I wanted to make sure you're paying attention. So, so Nebuchadnezzar like switched. He like switched the fight, right? Which leads to the second point. The second point is this. The enemy wants us to, to focus on fear, which always leads to worry. See, the enemy, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were focused on God. They were sold out. But when they got brought before Nebuchadnezzar, he was trying to direct them to the furnace. They were focused on faith. He was trying to focus them on the furnace going, that's what's going to happen. And if they would have taken their eyes off of God, their heavenly father, and put them on the furnace, they would have began to worry. But because they had their eyes on the father, they refused to worry. And we see it in their, their response to me, in my opinion, is one of the strongest statements in the entire Bible. Look at this, and we're gonna break it down, and I wanna tell you why I think this is so strong. And, and confess, I'm not here yet. I wanna be, I wish I could say, this is me, and I'm crushing this. This is something that, that I'm working towards. This is so strong, watch this. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, pause. Notice they all stood together. There is power in standing together. We're going to talk about that next week. There is power when we stand together. So they all three replied, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. Pause. There are some people in this room losing some fights right now. And the reason you're losing those fights is because you're fighting them rather than letting God fight them for you. I remember a, I remember a situation where I was, I'm a fighter by nature. I want to jump in. And I remember this one particular situation. I'm ready to dive in and God spoke to me. And he said, either you can fight this fight or you can let me fight this fight. 
by the way, Perry, I'm undefeated. <laughs> and you're not. I said, you're right. <laughs> I'm telling you, if, if we will let God fight some battles that we're trying to fight, it'd take some worry away, wouldn't it? So, so they said, we don't, we don't need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, I mean, notice there's a little bit of hope there, right? If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, what? The, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power. That's unreal. They are standing in front of the king who had the authority to throw them in the fire, and they say, we recognize your authority, but king, we also recognize somebody who has more authority than you, and so if you decide to throw us into the fire, God is able to rescue us. And that's, for me, that's good news, because if you're going through something today, God is able to pull you out. God is able to heal you. God is able to provide for us. God is able to protect us. God is able to take away worry and fear and depression and doubt and anxiety and disease. God is able. Aren't you glad you serve a God who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ever ask for or imagine? Amen? I don't know about you, but I believe that. I believe that God is able and this would have been a great place for Jesus just to step in and say, that's right, and just kind of squish Nebuchadnezzar like a bug, like I squish you like a bug, like, like just, just, just stomp him down. And if you're watching the movie, you're like, okay, Jesus. And Jesus is like, no, no, it's not, it's not time. Okay. And then, this phrase right here, verse 18. These five words, in my opinion, change the game. But even if he doesn't. God, how strong is that kind of faith? God is able to rescue us, king. But even if he doesn't. Man, I hope I'm there one day. The first time I heard that phrase, it actually wasn't in the Bible. It wasn't from the Bible. It was from my mother. When I was 11 years old, my mother got diagnosed with cancer. And by the time it was diagnosed, it was, it was too late. From the time they diagnosed it to the time she passed away was three months. And I never will forget finding out the day I found out that she had cancer. I came home from school and my dad informed the family and I was a wreck. And I, I went to church, so I prayed because I read some stories about how Jesus healed people. And I went, I remember going to the hospital and seeing my mom, and she's got the hospital gown on, and she's got all these tubes hooked up to her, and it's just awkward because I was 11. I didn't know what to do. I'm trying not to cry, and I'm trying to be strong. I go over, and I sit by her bed, and I'm like, well, Mama, I said, I said, you know, God can heal you. And I never will forget her response. She looked at me, she smiled, she said, oh, he can. But even if he doesn't, Perry, he's still good. Don't forget that. Looking back, I'm like, 
That's the kind of faith I want. God is able to save us from situations. God is able. But even if he doesn't, watch what they told him. Even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty. Notice they're still respectful. They didn't like call him names and throw in your mama jokes or anything. They just, they called him your majesty. That we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. Now, once again, if you're a movie director, this is a great time to bring in Jesus. Because after that speech, like, okay, Jesus, come, come in. Oh, not yet? Like, really? Not yet? Okay. Throw them in the furnace, boys. I mean, that's, that's what's about to happen. In fact, watch this. And I, I want to I point something out in the text because it's, once again, I've never seen this before. I've never seen this. Watch this. Um, Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage. Have you, have you ever just seen an angry person and you know they're angry by the way their face looks? They just got angry face. I've heard women refer to it as RBF. <laughs> I said resting blessed face? What were y'all thinking? I don't, I don't even know. So anyway, I, he's just, he's so angry. Watch this. He commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter. Wait. Hold on. Didn't they do the right thing, yes or no? Yeah. yeah, see, sometimes when we do the right thing, it don't get better immediately. In fact, the furnace gets turned up seven times hotter. See, because the whole time the enemy's expecting them to cave. They were like, oh, it's going to get hotter? They were probably like, well, shoot, we're going to die either way. Doesn't matter how hot it is. But he said, yeah, make it. Make it hot. Make... <laughs> Nelly just popped in my mind. It's getting hot. Anyway, I just so ADD today. Seven times hotter than this. Then he ordered some of the strongest men of his army to, now let's, let's look at this word right here, right there. Let's say it together on three. One, two, three, bind. Now why, why you got to tie somebody up that you're going to throw in the fire? That was my question. I was like, okay, well, I mean, if you're going to throw them in the fire, throw them in the fire. It's not like they're going to go anywhere. But they tied their hands and they tied their feet. They, they bound them, maybe, maybe tied, put some rope. I don't know, but hands and feet are tied, bound. Now, the reason I bring this up is because this is going to come up a lot in the text. To bind Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So they, what? Tied them up. Bound them up, tied them up, same thing, right? So they tied them up and threw them into the furnace. Fully dressed, which I guess that's better than getting in thrown naked, but fully dressed in their pants, turbans, robes, and other garments. And because the king, in his anger, had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as they threw the three men in. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego securely what? 
tide fell into the roaring flames. And if you're watching this story on a movie, you're like, way to go, Jesus. You missed your opportunity. Could have stepped it at any time, but no, you got to let them get thrown in the furnace. And maybe that's not funny because some of us feel like we're in the fire today. And Nebuchadnezzar probably felt good about himself. I'm imagining he probably sat down on his little chair and was going to watch him burn, listen to him maybe scream and beg for mercy, and he's kind of watching. And then if you know the story, this is what happened. If you don't know the story, I'm about to tell you, you'll understand in just a second. He's sitting there and he's like, (laughs) Cletus, come here for a minute. I know I didn't do good in math, but, but did, how many did we throw in? Now, the reason I bring that up is because he actually didn't sit there for very long. The Bible says, but suddenly Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we? Thank you very much. Oh, my gosh. Thank you. That was amazing. I didn't even have to plant that person. Was that you? Okay, we're going to give you like a T-shirt or something. Come by the first-timers area, even if you're not a first-timer. That was quick. Thank you so much. I don't, I literally forgot what I was going to say. That was amazing. Oh, yeah. Didn't we... Yeah, y'all ain't getting t-shirts. Y'all better forget it. (laughs) Then then we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace. And they're probably looking at each other going, I mean, I mean, can you imagine a political leader that's lost his mind? (laughs) I'm talking about the story, y'all. I'm just talking about the story. He's like, no joke, man. We threw three men in the fire. So, yes, your majesty. We certainly did, they replied. Watch this. Look! He keeps shouting at people. I see how many men? Four men. Unbound. We're told on three separate occasions they were bound or they were tied. But then we see him with that fourth man, and we know he's Jesus. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. The only thing the fire burned off of them was what the enemy put on them to bind them in the fire. Here's the reason I'm saying that. If you will keep your eyes on Jesus, even if you get in the fire, the only thing the fire will burn off of you is what the enemy put on you before you went into the fire. See, sometimes he delivers us from the fire and sometimes he delivers us through the fire. Hey, listen, I'm absolutely convinced that it took me going through the fire 
to get delivered from alcohol. But I went through that fire, and you know what the enemy tried to put on me? When I got in the fire with Jesus, it got removed, and I got set free, and it never would have happened. I see four men, unbound, walking around in the fire. <laughs> walking around in the fire? What the front door is happening right now? I don't know about you, but if I'm in a house on fire, I get out. We call the fire department, right? But they're like, walking around. Hey, man, it's good to see you. How you doing? A little rough, huh? Kind of like fireball fight. Say, Jesus, you know. They're walking around in the fire. And Nebuchadnezzar's like, they're walking around in the fire. But don't miss this. He gets obsessed with this fourth man. He, he's like, and the fourth looks like a god. Pause. He had just built a 90-foot tall, 9-foot wide statue and said that's the most high god. But he's like, uh, I, think, I think this guy, I think this guy right here, this guy right here in the fire, I think he just, he saw Jesus. And once you see Jesus, you're never the same. He's like, he's got, he's got joy and he's got peace in the fire. This is so confusing. So, so he does what, it, the only thing he knew how to do, <laughs> then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could. Remember, can't get too close because you get killed. Um, as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, <laughs> servants of the Most High God, changed his mind, didn't he? See, when we worship, it changes the people around us. It doesn't just change us. It changes the culture. It's kind of like when we go to a, a Clemson game or a South Carolina game. It doesn't matter which team you pull for, Clemson or South Carolina. If you've never been to a Clemson game or a South Carolina game and you go, their pregame show is awesome. Clemson does the thing and the band's out and they march toward the hill and they rub the rock and they run down the hill and everybody's cheering. And South Carolina, they play the Sandman song and everybody waves the surrender towels because they know what's about to happen. But even if you're in that environment, it's exciting, right? It's exciting. You're like, something is about, even if you've never been, you're like, I don't know what this is, but I'm going to jump up and down because everybody else is jumping up and down. What if we worshiped in church that way? What if our worship was so powerful that when people came in and they didn't know Christ, they went, I don't know what's going on here, but these people are smoking what they sell and they believe, I, I have to speak second chance language, they believe something. What if we worshiped with so our worship was so real and so powerful that heaven celebrated and hell shook and people got saved just because we were focused on the presence of the most high God. Now, now watch this. This is because this is insane. Most high God. So he's like, he done forgot about his little 90 foot tall, nine foot wide statue. Come out. Come here. So Shadrach. Meshach and Abednego stepped out of the fire. <laughs> then the high officers, officials, governors, and advisors crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them. Huh. This next verse, this gets me. Not a hair on their heads was singed. Ladies, let's talk about a curl on iron for a second. 
Is it true that a curling iron can singe your hair, yes or no? Yeah. And, and the smell, y'all, dear Lord, God help us in heaven. They walked in fire and not a hair was singed. Is that a miracle? Yeah. It gets even better. This blew my mind. And their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell of smoke. Now, been to a campfire and you're just sitting there and all of a sudden the wind changes and the next thing you know, I, hey, this is better. If you're around my age, I'm 52. Y'all remember back in the day when you used to walk into a restaurant and there was a smoking section and a non-smoking section? Anybody ever fly on an airplane where there was a smoking section and a non-smoking section? I remember, dear, I mean, if you flew to Atlanta to Los Angeles, you had terminal cancer by the time you landed in Los Angeles. I remember thinking, smoking and non-smoking section. That's kind of like everybody in this room that has, let's be honest, this is church. Everybody in this room has peed in a swim pool. Tell the truth and shame the devil. You know you have. You know you have. You know you have peed in the pool. Why would you say that? Well, it's because you don't walk up to a swimming pool and they say, would you like the peeing section or the non-peeing section? It's all together, right? That's the way it was back in the day in the smoking, non-smoking. You remember you could sit in the non-smoking section and you walked out smelling like smoke because you sat in the smoking section? They didn't even smell like what they went through. And God wants somebody to know today that you are in the fire and he sees you and he is with you. But you're going to come out of this and not a hair is going to be singed and you won't even smell like what you went through because that's who he is and that's what he does. He does not abandon us in the fire. Let me, tell, let me show you, this is, this, is just, this is just icing on the cake. This is so good. It's, there's no way I could have came up with this on my own. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Pray, praise to the God. I mean, just changes his position, right? Praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel. His theology is a little messed up, but he's not a believer, so we're going to let him buy on that one. Sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. They defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any god except their own. Therefore, I make this decree. If any people, whatever their race or nation or language, speak a word against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they will be torn from limb to limb. Pastor Pete, why? Because he tried the fire thing, that didn't work, so he's like, different, different way, we're just gonna tear people up. Literally, they're gonna get toe up, and it meant something different, okay? Torn from limb to limb, and their houses will be turned to heaps of rubble. There is no other God who can rescue like this? Watch this. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to even higher positions in the province of Babylon. You could almost say they went higher through the fire. Somebody needs to hear this today. That fire that you're going through, it's not punishment. It's a setup for a promotion if you'll keep your eyes on Jesus and keep walking.
Pastor P, how do I do that? How do I keep my eyes on Jesus? Now, I'm not the best, but let's just, let's just do the math. Let's just do the math. It's real simple. Sim- simple math, the only math I understand. How many men went into the fire? Three. How many men were in the fire? Four. How many men came out of the fire? Three. Where's Jesus? He's still in the fire. He's still in the fire waiting on us to walk with us and take us higher than we could have ever imagined. So maybe you're in this room today and you've been consumed by worry and anxiety because of what you're going through. But maybe God is allowing us to go what we're going through to take our eyes off of us and put our eyes on him because he is able to deliver us. But even if he doesn't, what would happen if we had that kind of faith? I believe it would shift our worry to worship. So Jesus, right now, I just want to say thank you for today. God, I want to thank you for this story. I want to thank you for being the most high God, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. God, I want to pray for every single one of us in this room today. That feels like we're we're about to go in the fire or we're in the fire. God, we praise you that you are able. You are able. But God, give us the kind of faith that says, but even if he doesn't, I'm still gonna believe, even if he doesn't, I'm still gonna follow, even if he doesn't, because I know if you don't deliver me from this fire, you will deliver me through this fire to immeasurably more than all I could ever ask or imagine. God, thank you so much. God, thank you so much. May we celebrate this today. Jesus, I wanna thank you today that none of us in this room are alone that you are with us and you are for us. And God, your, your heart for us is not to worry. Jesus, you even said in your gospels, do not worry about tomorrow. Do not, do not worry. Jesus, may you give us the faith to take you at your word. Right now with heads bowed and eyes closed, I don't I don't know what you're worried about. Maybe you're worried about this fire you're about to step into or you feel like you're in the middle of. But why don't you just take a few seconds to give that worry back to the Lord? Why don't you just literally, God, I, I'm gonna give this to you. I'm gonna lift this up to you. I'm gonna, you, I, I, need, I need, put your, put your thoughts and your focus on Jesus. King of kings, Lord of lords, risen from the dead and that power lives in you if you are in him and if you're here today and you're not a christian you're not a believer you've never asked jesus to come into your life listen we can't make it through the fires of this world without jesus except in christ in our life yeah we get to go to heaven that's a great thing but the beautiful thing is we get strength and hope and joy we get all those things now so if you're here today and you want to pray to receive jesus you want to ask christ to come into your life 
I'm going to lead you in a prayer from this stage, and I'm going to ask you to repeat it with me out loud. We do it out loud here at Second Chance because we want, I want you to hear yourself declare these words. But everybody in this room that's in our Second Chance family, we're going to pray this with you so you, you'll know you're stepping into a relationship with Jesus, supported by everybody in this room. So let's pray out loud. If you want to receive Christ and Second Chance family, let's make sure they don't pray it alone. Just say, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. I know that I'm a sinner. And I need you as my Savior. I believe you died on the cross. And you rose from the grave to pay for my sins. And right now, Jesus, I declare you as Lord. Come into my life and take over. In Jesus' name I pray. Now, right now, with heads still bowed and eyes still closed, if you just prayed that prayer, if you just asked Christ in your life, before you leave today, I want to pray with you and I want to pray for you. So do me a favor all over this room. If you just prayed that prayer, would you hold your hand up high? Just, just lift it up really. Amen. Wow, that was quick. This has happened. Okay, I'm looking right here, looking in the middle section. Keep them up, keep them up, keep them up over here on my left. Wow, wow, wow. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus, for every single hand in the air right now. You're so good. Thank you for your saving power, Jesus. I pray that every person that just prayed to receive you would walk out of this place with hope and joy and peace unlike they've ever experienced in their life and then before we leave today if you feel like you're in the fire like you are in the fire don't need to know what, but if that's you, I just want you to look at me. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to point you out. I just want you to look at me right here, middle section over here. If you're looking at me, I really feel like God wants me to just tell you, you're going to make it through this. You're going to make it through this. You're going to make it through this and don't give up on him because he has not given up on you. Thank you, Jesus, that this is true. We love you and we declare this in your name and everybody that agreed said, amen. Are you glad you came to church today? Man, me too. Y'all have a great week and we'll see y'all back next Sunday.